Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Albany Law School podcast. I'm Ben Myers, Associate Director of Communications and Marketing here at Albany Law School. On this edition of the podcast, we're joining the Career and Professional Development Center as they hosted an information session from ACO, which is a Goldman Sachs company, one of the nation's leading providers of comprehensive financial counseling and education to employees and executives of the Fortune 500 and other major companies. And ACO is connected to Albany Law because we have dozens of alumni that work there. And also there's a scholarship that was started by our alums for Albany Law School students, which they're going to be talking about in the recording here of the information session that we're going to hand over to the Career and Professional Development Center in just one second. Before we do, though, our reminders up at the top of the show, as always, albanylaw.edu slash COVID-19. Make sure you know all of our policies about the pandemic here on campus and off. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Helps you keep up to the day-to-day of everything happening here at the law school. And of course, if you like this episode, you want to hear more, subscribe on any of the major podcast services or check out our SoundCloud account. All right, let's talk to the Career and Professional Development Center. Um, and for any of our students who are on, if you are comfortable going ahead and turning on your camera, I encourage you to do that. It's always nice to see your faces. Um, and I just want to start today's program by welcoming our guests from ACO and thank you all for sharing your time with us this afternoon to tell us about what you do and about the work of ACO. Um, out and thank you to Wards, who is here with us today as well. I'm sure she'll have good questions for our panelists that she'll, she'll sprinkle in. Um, I do encourage all of our students to please put in the chat or simply unmute and ask your questions as they come up. Um, and uh, without further ado, I'm going to start with just brief introductions um, from our ECO representatives. I will start uh, with Siegfried Herzl Betts. Yes. I, I believe that you are a 2012 graduate of Albany Law School. Yep. Perhaps also have an MBA, a, a joint degree with Clarkson. Um, do you want to just tell us a little bit about your background? And uh, Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I'm a 2012 graduate of the law school. Actually, initially went to law school thinking I was going to go to uh, criminal law. That was like what was most exciting for me Um, and kind of quickly realized after starting school uh, and learning more about the financial opportunities um, in finance, it was definitely a path that I wanted to explore. And so Andrew and I actually did the joint degree program together with Union where we did our MBA. Uh, Andrew had an internship at ACO, and then I followed him shortly thereafter uh, at ACO. But I've been with the firm now for the past 10 years. Um, and I started out in our executive financial management group uh, on the advisor side, working with clients, and we'll get into that. And then uh, for the past two years, I've been part of the senior leadership team with our financial wellness group. Uh, so that is me. Terrific. Thank you very much. Kristen, 
Sure. So Albany Law Class of 2010, um, I actually have an undergrad in finance. So when I went to Albany Law, I was very focused on the business track or maybe estate planning. I interned at a law firm for a couple of years and quickly realized that maybe sitting in a traditional law firm environment wasn't necessarily going to be my cup of tea. So I started exploring other options and ACO came on the radar. Um, so was interesting for me specifically because I had the background in finance that I could combine that finance interest and estate planning and business with a law degree. Um, so I've been at ACO since 2010, since I graduated, and I've been in the executive financial management group um, my whole time. So I was a financial planner, and then I started servicing clients in 2015. And actually in 2020, I moved into management position where I'm now um, in charge of the planner population and development training for my group. So that is my background. Thank you, Kristen. I, we, we did hear that you graduated in 2012. That's right. Yeah. And so you stole a little bit of my thunder. So uh, Siggy and I went through the, the JD MBA program together, Albany Law and Union. Um, I, you know, I kind of deviated from the traditional law path a little bit after my first summer uh, of interning with the New York State Department of Health and doing mostly traditional legal work for them. And I quickly realized it necessarily wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. And then I started to get a little experience with the MBA program on kind of more of the business and financial side. Um, and then the, the internship at ACO popped up um, and I, I stayed in my internship for a few years at ACO while finishing out law school uh, and then you know, transitioned right into a full-time role once I graduated and took the bar exam. And I, I've been in the same group within ACO ever since. I, I work out of our what's called our family office. So, um, you know, we'll get into a little more detail about what that is, but, you know, uh, a service, you know, you know 12 clients uh, and their families on uh, and everything financial related for them. Thank you. Um, Jane. Great. Uh, my name is Jane Desmond. I graduated a class of 2010. Um, I did go the traditional uh, law route and practiced for a couple of years after law school. Um, I specialized um, in estate planning and taxation and worked in the low-income taxpayer clinic when I was at Albany Law School. And so kind of went into that area um, and was really focused on one of the reasons I love estate planning and taxes. It affects everybody and I love helping people. And so ultimately I was looking to relocate back to the capital district region, which is when I found ACO. And what I loved was um, their approach to holistic financial planning. So helping people in all facets of their financial plan, whether it be the more traditional ones that you might think of with um, retirement and cash flow and investments, um, but also with the taxes and estate planning. So um, I started with our executive uh, group in 2014 um, and was a planner there and um, then an advisor. And for the last two years, I've been with our um, personal financial management group, both as an advisor and as part of the management team, leading our relationship managers and kind of uh, covering their training. Terrific. Thank you, Jean. And Amy. Thanks, Mary. Um, hi, everybody. So my name's Amy Fanshawe. I'm a graduate of Albany Law School from 1992. So I think I, I date most of my, my colleagues here. Um, as far as my background uh, through law school, I actually thought I wanted to do family law. So my second and third year of law school, I, I really concentrated in on that and worked for a small law firm um, that did matrimonial and traditional family law. And I worked for them right out of law school. And then the lead attorney was elected family court judge. So she closed down the firm within six months of graduation. 
I called Albany Law School just looking, the Career Center, looking to see, is are there any opportunities? And they mentioned ACO. So didn't know anything about ACO, but I needed a job. So I started and 28 years later, I am still here. I never would have thought in law school, I would have loved estate and tax work, but I absolutely love it. Um, my current role is um, I, I'm in charge of training and development, but prior to this current role, I've been with a group at, at ACO that really concentrates on research and writing. It's called Tax Policy and Research. So I was able to utilize a, a lot of the skills I used in law school and in that group. Um, so happy to answer more questions later of, about that particular position. Terrific, thank you all so much. All right, so I'm gonna start first with our students. Any burning questions so far? I wanna make sure that you get your questions answered. All right, if not, um, could somebody, for those of us who don't, who aren't as familiar with the world of financial advising, um, would someone like to speak sort of about the, the broad scope of the work and, and the organization generally? Yeah, I can take this one. Uh, so when you think about financial planning, uh, a lot of people, your first kind of thought goes to asset management. Uh, the way that ACO has always approached financial planning is from a holistic standpoint. So we really like to take into account all facets of a person's financial life in trying to help them and guide them to make decisions. Uh, so as a quick example, you know, when somebody goes to a broker and they want to open up a brokerage account, you know, typically you can just do that online, right? No thought to it, open it up individual, whatever you want to do. But what we try to do is think about what are the ramifications of that action? So if you open an account in your individual name, how's that going to flow through on through your state? When you think about your taxes, uh, how's that gonna flow through on your income taxes? When you think about what assets that you have within there, how are they paired with the rest of your asset allocation from a holistic perspective? And so we try to take that approach to kind of every decision and conversation that we have with our clients in financial planning. And I would say that, you know, ACO really made its mark uh, focusing on employee benefits. So as I'm sure uh, some of you are aware, you know, when you start with different companies, they all have different benefit packages that they offer to you. So, you know, there's different types of equity awards with different vesting restrictions, uh, different forfeiture restrictions. There's different types of non-qualified and retirement plans. Uh, there's all different types of decisions that you need to make. And that's really where ACO started was partnership with corporate entities uh, to help their populations with uh, their financial decisions so that they could focus more on their jobs and not have to worry as much about everything else uh, going on in their lives. And so what ACO does uh, kind of at its core is we partner with Fortune 1000 companies and we offer uh, top to bottom or bottom to top, whichever way you want to look at it, uh, financial planning offerings for all of their employees. So we have different tiers of service and you'll see those tiers kind of represented here today uh, where we have a offering for our broad-based employee population uh, where it's basically an on-demand reactive type service uh, but we'll talk about everything from cash flow budgeting investment retirement 
what we don't do is really go to the implementation aspect. It's really education focused. And that's where we have our second level come in, kind of our middle level, which is our financial management group, which Jane is a part of. And that uh, takes it a little bit further. So we look into tax projections. Uh, we're talking about asset management, uh, more scope of service. Once you get up to the C-suite level, you're really talking about executive financial management, which is where Kristen comes in and uh, kind of really doing everything from a white glove perspective. So if I'm going to talk to a client about, you know, an investment account or their 529 or their estate plan, like really talking through all those decisions with the clients and then basically handing it off to uh, an attorney to just basically draft the documents. So kind of taking that out of their hands. And then at the uber high net worth level, you really have the family office, which is where Andrew is, and complex issues, a lot of trust and estate planning, a lot of different types of tax planning. Um, but that's kind of how we organize ourselves is kind of through those different levels. And it's really a business to business kind of type of sales model. Um, and I think what you'll see uh, in our, in Goldman in general is that there's a lot of attorneys at all different levels. Uh, so obviously from this call, you can see uh, from each of the different groups within ACO that we have representatives uh, from the law school community. Uh, the partner that's in charge of our firm uh, for ACO is uh, an attorney as well. Um, and so we see a ton of value in the analytical thinking. And what I really like about what we do from a financial planning side is that you actually deal with the practical implications of decisions that need to be made and how those affect the rest of your financial life, uh, which I think differentiates us from a lot of the other financial firms um, that are more so focused on the investment side and not as much on the planning side. Anything, Amy or Kristen, anybody wants to add to that? I think you did a good job, Siki. <laughs> I agree. That was really helpful in terms of understanding. So I, just listening to what you were saying, um, Siggy, it sounds like the counseling skills that students get throughout law school would be incredibly important in, in servicing your clients. A hundred percent. Kristen, maybe you want to talk about like how you work with clients? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's twofold. Definitely the counseling advisory mindset is so key in how we deal with our clients day to day. I would also add just the ability to issue spot. I mean, we take everyone's finances and we go through them with a fine tooth comb and really we're looking for planning opportunities. We're looking for potential issues. I mean, that's really the attorney brain at work. And what I think makes an attorney such a valuable advisor to our clients is just that skill set that you've, it's been kind of ingrained with um, in you from law school. I would just add to that too, that, the nice thing um, about ACO is there's no one size fits all. So there's many different business units within ACO and we really promote internal mobility. So for instance, when I started off at ACO, I was working in our Atlanta office um, in the financial planning uh, career path where I would eventually become an advisor similar to, to Kristen and Andrew and Jane. Um, decided after a few years, you know, I really like tax. I like research. I like writing. So was able to transfer and, and work in our tax policy and research group. So it's the same company, but it's almost like you're in a completely different company in terms of what you're able to do. So I, th I think that's one thing just to keep in mind um, is the ability to transfer to different units and try out different things according to what you discover are your, your strengths and talents. 
I would add one more thing back to the advisor kind of relationships. You know, one thing that I noticed working in a law firm is it tended to be very transactional. So you'd hear from clients only when something was needed, at least in EF on the EFM side and family office side, we build very longstanding, deep relationships with our clients. So our average client relationship is anywhere from five to 10 years. And, you know, in Andrew's group, they're dealing with a whole family versus just that one client. So for me, I always thrived on that relationship aspect. And I definitely found I get more of that on the eco side than I ever did in a law firm. Can I ask a question? Of course. So I heard two MBAs of finance and a family law and law practice. Um, Knowing some of the students who are here, I'm pretty sure that one question that people are asking is, I don't have an MBA or a finance background. And some of this sounds really interesting. Um, What does ACO look for when they're thinking about hiring? Is it hopeless? <laughs> I, mean, I can take that one. So it's because I do a lot of hiring for my group. What I look for primarily is not necessarily a background in finance or even estate planning or tax, but really a desire to learn. Oh, we do, as Amy runs the training program, we have a very robust training program, You know, significantly different than many companies out there. So I think the desire to learn and the desire to form relationships with clients and be that trusted advisor is key. And that's really kind of what we garner in the conversations we have with candidates. And then I'd say the other thing too, is a significant eye towards detail. Um, you know, it's very hard to find, but it's invaluable in what we do. So that's another skill set that regardless of anyone's background, we can teach you the technical, we can teach you how to do the job. Um, those are some fundamental skill sets we can always teach. So that's really what we're looking for at a core. Yeah, I know some of the best advisors that I've worked with over the years have very obscure backgrounds. Um, you know, you could be a history major coming out of undergrad. You could be a psychology major. Everyone has their strengths and exactly what you just referenced there, Kristen, is th- those are the, the, the core skill sets you're really looking for in terms of what we can develop into a good advisor. Um, I've seen a lot of folks come over from, you know, what you would refer to as probably more traditional financial backgrounds or more what they would think are financial advising backgrounds they get into the ACO world and that holistic model of financial advising that we, we perpetuate, they, they don't, it's, it's a lot different than kind of what you think of traditional financial advising. Uh, and there's a whole lot to learn. Um, and, and we do a great job teaching Amy's group that she used to work in TPNR and now she's currently doing on the, on the training development side. It's, it's so it's, that's what really puts us head and shoulders above a lot of the other firms is just the ability for us to, to teach and, and the experience we've had over the last I don't know what 50 years now uh, of, uh, of growing this business. So uh, I'd say you don't need that traditional financial background. And, and on my team, I actually prefer not to have some of that background. Uh, I like the, a little bit more of a, of a, a mold uh, that I can you know, teach into uh, kind of how I view advising. So I think that's the other piece to kind of echo here is um, beyond just the training, it's the mentorship model that we have here. So you can come in with maybe, you know, I came in knowing estate planning and taxes, but I knew nothing about employee benefits and cash flow and retirement planning, all that. And that's all the areas that I learned um, on the job from the training team, from working with on a team um, in a mentorship like program. Um, so again, we're just looking for kind of good quality candidates, that attention to detail, that analytical mind, um, all the technical stuff we can teach, we can get you there. 
Yeah, I, I agree with, with what everybody said. If I look at just my background, undergrad, I was pol political science and sociology, never took a finance class. Law school, I took one um, tax class and, and I liked it, but again, thought I wanted to do family law. When I got to ACO, everything was new to me, but, but you know, I, I would echo what everybody said. Um, we definitely teach all of the things that you need to know. You all already possess what you need to know, which is the ability to think analytically and to issue spot. So I'd rather have those qualities because the other things um, we can teach you, um, as, as Andrew mentioned um, and, and, and Kristen, we, we have a robust training program. So we don't expect you to come in already knowing these things. We teach them to you. We actually have classes that you go through where you learn all of the pillars of financial planning. So maybe some of it would be a review. Um, but we teach that, and then we have the mentorship apprenticeship model that Jane referenced that, that carries you through your career. There's always a mentor there to kind of show you the ropes. That's really helpful. Thank you. And, and Ian, I guess I'm wondering, and I'm thinking the students are probably wondering too, when is it a good time in a law student's sort of trajectory to apply for an internship and, and um, what does that look like, that process? I'll uh, defer to, to Ziggy on, in terms of the actual process, but my opinion is that if, if you're a second year and you're interested now in this subject matter, then certainly that's a great time to start thinking about going into this field, um, looking at, at ACO, what ACO has to offer. I mean, we certainly do have summer internships um, we, we do hire in terms of full-time after law school graduation. Those are all things we're looking for. Um, but I think the earlier, the better. If you know you have the interest, start reaching out. Siggy, I'll let you comment more on the process. Yeah, so the process has changed a little bit for us. Um, we all became official GS employees as of January 2021. So we now participate with the GS recruiting cycle, uh, which starts very early. Um, so it's typically done uh, over the summer and the fall for the next summer's internship. So like right uh, now we're like finalizing basically summer internships. Um, quick plug here, <laughs> the ACO scholarship, uh, we extended the, uh, the opportunity for submissions until Friday, um, but it's a really uh, powerful scholarship for people that are interested in, you know, estate planning, tax, financial planning in general. Um, with that, for second year students, uh, we would give them the opportunity to apply for a summer analyst position next year. For third year associates, we would give them the opportunity to uh, apply for a full-time job. So uh, it's a little bit of a condensed schedule um, with GS in that we don't do during the school year internships uh, anymore. Um, but I think really good opportunities for full-time and uh, summer analyst positions. Thank you, that's helpful. And for any students who might not be familiar, um, GS is Goldman Sachs. Um, <laughs> so, so the ACO scholarship, um, just curious, um, I know you said the deadline has been extended to Friday and that is open for 2Ls and 3L students? Yep, so open for 2Ls and 3L students that are interested in a career in tax, estate planning, um, as you know, part of the scholarship, uh, it's all been funded by former Albany Law graduates. 
who work at ACO. And so I think that's pretty unique. Um, and one of the things that we're really proud of is the relationship that we have with Albany Law and wanting to have uh, the presence and the exposure uh, of Albany Law graduates coming into the firm. I uh, think, obviously, we all think very highly of the law school and uh, the training that it gives you. Um, but we've been doing the scholarship, I think it's coming on 20 years now at this point. Um, so it's been a, a long standing and we have uh, quite a few of our former ACO scholarship winners who are with the firm in various positions. Um, so something that we're really proud of, my boss actually, uh, Nancy DeRusso, who's a managing director, uh, head of financial wellness, was a former Albany Law School scholarship uh, winner. So. It's a, it, it's a really nice way to get introduced to the firm and give you some help uh, financially during your school time. Thank you, yeah, that is terrific. What a, what a wonderful um, accolade and it's a very generous scholarship. So thank you all for that. Um, any other questions so far from our students? Okay. I actually have a question. Um, I apologize for being a little late. Um, my question is, I'm currently a, I just started my second semester. Um, so I get, I'm still a 1L. So after this semester is over, I have a finance background in like my licenses and that type of stuff. So, um, and I was speaking with someone about ACO earlier. And um, would I be able to apply for a summer position kind of now I kind of misheard what you said in a way like for a summer position now even though I'm only a 1L but I will be going into my 2L yeah so you can apply now okay um, we, we would probably have to do a little bit differently just uh, given that the GS recruiting cycle has kind of already started but um, if you send us a note kind of afterwards we can get you kind of routed to the right place Okay. Uh, but one else can apply for the summer analyst position, um, and the scholarship is for the second and third year students. Got it. Understood. Oh, thank you. Jane, we haven't heard too much about your, oh, I'm sorry, before, Emily, do you have a question? Um, I did. I, I just had a question about the different groups you had talked about. Um, are those specific to certain offices or do does every office kind of have every group within them? I was just kind of worried. I, I mean, I'm wondering about the, the structure. Really good question. Um, Andrew, you want this one? Well, I can I can start. Uh, <laughs> so my group is you know, had traditionally been based out of Saratoga Springs, New York, which was our headquarters for the longest time. We've recently uh, opened up a brand new building down in Cohoes, New York, which houses many of our groups, including, you know, a large portion of, of our family office service. Um, you know, we've over the last 10 years have really been focused on opening satellite offices. And, and we've really partnered with Goldman Sachs to piggyback off of their office space throughout the country. Um, and I should preface this by saying we only operate within the United States. We don't have any international presence or any offices or anything along those lines. Um, and so, you know, we have, uh, you know, offices that we work out of in New York City, uh, Boston, uh, West Palm Beach, Florida, uh, Texas, California, Illinois, um, Georgia, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, 
Um, so really a pretty broad footprint around, and I'm sure I'm leaving off a few uh, other satellite offices, but pretty, pretty broad footprint across the country. Um, and kind of going back to what Amy was saying in terms of mobility, like if you have a, a geographical desire, right, to be somewhere or close to family, whatever the case might be, we've become way, you know, more flexible than in, in prior years of, of allowing people moving around, right? And, and um, so you can go and work out of different offices, assuming, you know, it works from a management standpoint and, and your development and all that. So there's opportunity to move around the country into different groups. Um, some groups may be a little bit more restrictive. If you get into really set, you know, really focused groups, you may have to stay within a certain area, but I've witnessed it where you've, you've been able to move around a little bit more freely now, especially with the, you know, like all the work from home development that's been occurring in the last few years with the pandemic. So, uh, flexibility has been a big word for us. And, and I think, uh, I think it's been very positive for our employees. We'll add to that from the EFM side, you know, we have similar offices in similar locations, as Andrew mentioned, where I would say it's a little different. And Andrew and Andrew's group does as well. In a pre-pandemic world, we also travel to see our clients. So, you know, for someone desiring to work in New York City, but maybe doesn't want to pay to live in New York City, um, I saw all my clients in New York City. So I was on the train twice a week going down to the city to visit clients, but then always came home um, up here to live. So I think for some pe people that may be interested in kind of a different dynamic in terms of geographically working somewhere, that's kind of interesting too. And then to Andrew's point, geographically, you know, we've had people who started in Albany and I just had someone recently transfer to California to become an advisor. And, you know, people, there is the geographic mobility as well. And I'll just add here for our group. So we kind of have um, what I'd call four main hubs, um, one in upstate New York there, um, one in um, Irvine, California, one in Irving, Texas, and one in um, Miami, Florida is our newest hub that we're just starting to build out. So that's primarily where our group is located. Um, but again, to the point here um, of, of mobility and internal mobility um, is something I think that's uh, really unique and great about ECO. I can say for myself personally, two years ago when I was living in upstate and I was part of EFM, um, my husband was offered a job and required us to move. And I was moving to an area where there was no office nearby, but I love ACO. I didn't want to leave. So I went to my boss at the time and said, what can we do? Um, there's got to be something here that I could do. Can I work from home? Can I uh, change divisions? And so we really worked together, find a solution that worked for me so that I could um, utilize the skills and the relationships that I had built, um, but stay with um, the company. So um, I think the really great thing here is just tons of opportunity and, um, you know, flexibility. Yeah, and I, I would echo uh, what Kristen Jane and Andrew just said too. So I have not been an advisor as, as the three of them have been. I've been more of a internal group resource. So when our clients have questions on technical areas such as income tax or estate planning and whatnot, um, myself and others in my group, we would help the advisors with those issues and talk to clients and talk to um, attorneys as well. Uh, if you look at over the last really 10 years, most of us were always based up here in headquarters. Everybody in my group in tax policy and research was really up here. Now it's changed substantially. We have associates in my group in Illinois, California, Texas. We have a couple uh, working remotely in North Carolina. So it's definitely to what Andrew said, um, the flexibility has increased tremendously in the, in the last 10 years where it doesn't really matter what group you're in now, you have the possibility of being in different locations. 
I will add one piece too that was interesting for me. I'm licensed in New York, licensed in New Jersey, but if I wanted to go to California because we don't practice law, I don't have to go get a new license. So I think that's the nice thing too about being in this dynamic because we're not practicing traditional law. We don't have to be mindful that we're practicing in the right state, getting a new, you know, getting licensed in that state. So it does offer you a lot more flexibility than a traditional legal career would. And one other thing I would just add here, you know, Kristen mentioned being um, an advisor in EFM and traveling to see clients. So if the idea of an advisor role appeals to you, but the travel does not, um, Siggy's group and my group have advisors where we're not traveling. We're primarily dealing with our clients, um, what we used to say digitally and telephonically. Um, now for my particular group, we get to use Zoom, which is nice. But so now my clients are um, all across the country from Maine to California and everywhere in between. Um, but I meet with them uh, via Zoom, via the phone. Um, I travel around um, in my other role more to see our different groups on the training side, um, but not to see the clients. So depending on what you're looking for, again, lots of options and flexibility. Terrific. And so are there classes that perhaps students should take advantage of while they're in law school that might be beneficial for them um, if they were to choose to start a career with ACO? And I can see, I can guess one that Professor Cords teaches, but I think there are probably others. I think All the so tax many. and estate planning. Yeah, there's so many. Uh, definitely the tax courses income tax, partnership tax. Um, I think business organizations is like big uh, as we talk to a lot of our clients about like entity formation, uh, state planning side for sure, trust in the state, surrogates. Um, I think all those things are incredibly helpful in a career in financial planning. I know I did the securities arbitration clinic, which I don't think uh, is on campus anymore, but Anything related to obviously like securities uh, is also really beneficial. I would add employee benefits too. Um, I think it's employment regulation is a class I took, but just having a general understanding of how employee benefits work and kind of the background is really helpful as well. Terrific. Any other questions? What about a, a just a a brief comparison um, between sort of the day-to-day -day, um, amongst the different departments. Can you get a feel for what that looks like? Um, I know, Siggy, you had sort of given us a really nice, what sounded sort of linear pathway through the organization. So maybe we could start with you and then, and then sort of go through what the day-to-day -day of each department might look like. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, for the financial wellness group, uh, like I said, it's for that broad-based employee population and it's a phone-based service. Um, so we kind of have our service delivery through three mechanisms. Uh, we have a digital platform, we have our phone coaching service, and then we have what we call group education where we'll go out and do seminars uh, on different topics at client companies historically, now virtually, uh, kind of across the country. Um, but a typical day in the life um, training process is very long. Uh, so you go through about six and a half months of training where you get your FINRA licensing, uh, your SIE, your seven, your 66, and then you kind of go through each of the core training modules. Um, and at the back end of that, you actually get on the phone talking to clients uh, right off the bat, uh, which is kind of unique for our group. Um, 
but you'll typically be on phone calls throughout the day through scheduled appointments, 45 minute appointments where clients can sign up to talk about any of the different subject areas. Um, and then uh, as you progress through your career, traditionally, most of our uh, employees will then transition to one of the other service lines uh, that's on the phone today, EFM, PFM, uh, family office, uh, to take the next step in their advisory career. Uh, but really good place to kind of learn, to start, uh, to get a really good background in kind of all the different areas of financial planning and to get a lot of experience talking to clients. And that's your primary function day to day is being on the phone with clients. Maybe Jane, you go next. Yeah, I'll take next. So um, a lot of what Siggy said applies to our group as well. So same thing on um, training and licenses. And what I'll try to highlight maybe is kind of some of the differences, which is um, for our group, we have a dedicated um, book of clients, right? So it's not just a um, kind of a client calling up and getting whatever uh, advisor on that program might be available. You have a dedicated book of clients. Um, again, you're not traveling to see those clients. So you're meeting with them via Zoom, telephonically, using a digital platform. Um, so really kind of, you know, you're day in and day out, um, you know, can, you never know what a day is going to bring, I would say, but kind of on average, um, you're probably looking at 10 to 20, uh, meetings, you know, with your clients a week. Um, and so really it's kind of, um, maybe doing follow-up from your meetings the previous week, preparing for your meetings this week, having your meetings. And again, we work in that kind of mentorship model. So there is a wealth advisor or a wealth manager or advisor on the team, and a, a planner, we call them a relationship manager on the team. And those two individuals together work, um, you know, together to service the book of clients. So for the wealth advisor, it's, you know, that person is helping them manage their book of clients, maybe joining their meetings, presenting in their meetings. And for that relationship manager, that's that opportunity for them to learn. So maybe I'm going to uh, start practicing having those conversations um, with my advisor's clients to try to kind of get my feet under me, figure out what my flow is, so that eventually as I grow in my career, um, I have the verbal dexterity skills in addition to my technical skills that I need for my role. I would say for executive financial management, it very much replicates kind of Jane's model. I'd say it just takes a deeper dive. So we're going to have less meetings. We service less clients, um, but very similar structure where we're meeting with clients. We're doing follow-up work, um, really anything that the client needs at that point. And, and I'd say probably one of the bigger diversifiers is that we focus a lot on implementation. So where we're doing a lot of the planning with clients, we're also helping them implement on the back end. So whether that's walking through an estate plan and maybe going to the execution or helping them with paperwork or actually doing transfers for the clients for various different transactions. So that does take up a lot of our time. Um, we also have a tax season, which I think, you know, the other groups don't except for family office. So other than tax seasons, April and in, in the fall, um, where we have a pretty consistent day to day where we are spending a lot of time on tax returns, I would say, the days are very varied. You could be, you know, one day working on a mortgage, the next day doing a big gift to someone's alma mater, um, and then the next day spending a lot of time on someone's retirement plan or all those things in one day. So I think the nice thing about this business is that it does vary in a topic area. So you can really have a very, very day and no day to day is really going to look the same. So that does kind of keep up the excitement of the job. Yeah. yeah. So my group in the family office, uh, we work with even less clients. So we, we service typically about 12 to 13 families. Um, and we, we really touch base uh, with everybody within the family system. Um, you know, in a, in a typical day, I could get a call from one of my client's children asking about, you know, they're starting a new job. They need to fill out a W-4. 
the, the next message I get from a client might be, hey, I'm, I'm buying a, a $10 million house. I'm closing in seven days. Make sure it happens, right? Um, and then they disappear and we have to do all the implementation. So, you know, that's where we, we kind of uh, jump from service to service. Excuse me, guys. Hold on one second. He's got a little son at home. <laughs> That's the pleasure of Zoom, right? We see everybody's families and pets and good I'm sorry about that. A three-year-old visitor uh, came running in for attention. So uh, <laughs> apologies. Um, so yeah, so you know, you really hit on multiple disciplines throughout the day. You never know what's going to come up. So it could vary from estate planning to cash flow to a sophisticated investment um, structure of clients trying to optimize and and I'd say most of our clients are very sophisticated and they understand a lot of things. They just don't necessarily have a lot of time to uh, you know, implement everything. And so that's where we really leverage our relationships with third-party contacts. We work with a lot of the top estate planning attorneys throughout the country. Uh, we work with a lot of the top investment professionals around the country to really just optimize everything for our clients and what they need to get done. So um, the day-to-day is, is difficult to really narrow down to a few things. It, it really could be anything. Um, and you can go in with a great plan of, I want to focus on this project for this client that you need to get into an Excel spreadsheet on, and then five other things come up that take precedent over it. So, um, you know, it, it can be, uh, you know, very wide range on the spectrum. Yeah, I, I guess just to comment on what I do. So for me, I don't have direct clients. My clients are the advisors. So the advisors we have at ACO about 300 advisors. And on any given day, they're going to have questions relating to a topic that came up for their client, whether it was an estate planning strategy, income tax, something about employee benefits, tax issues with investments. Every day is different. So I guess first I would say the reason I think I've stayed here as long as I have and I love it is because every day is different. I've never had the same day twice. Uh, it's definitely intellectually a, a huge challenge. Um, my typical day when I was in tax policy and research would be split between researching tax issues, writing memos that we would give to advisors and to clients, and actually teaching. So I have no teaching background, but part of my role was you would teach the advisors, the planners on certain tax strategies or legislative developments, whatever it was that needed to be delivered, we, we would train on that. So it was a variety of different functions. And, and, I, and again, I think law school, no matter what you do, prepares you for these types of roles. It teaches you how to think and it teaches you how to issue spot. That's really helpful. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you everybody for sharing your, your, your day to day. And it sounds like an incredibly rewarding career and, um, the flexibility and the variety is, is very appealing. I'm sure it's appealing to our students. Um, I'm, I heard someone mention the SIE exam, um, and I'm just wondering if, I think maybe, Siggy, it may have been you, if you could talk a little bit about that, because our students, I believe through a class with Professor Chung, may have the ability to take that exam while in law school. So I'm wondering if that's something we could hear about be advisable to do so. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the FINRA exams to be uh, a registered representative uh, that we require are the SIE, the Series 7, and the Series 66. The SIE is unique. Uh, it was just 
created, they basically broke out the Series 7 into two separate exams a couple of years ago. And the unique thing is that for the SIE, you don't have to be sponsored by a registered broker dealer. Um, so for the Series 7 and the Series 66, you have to be uh, sponsored by your employer, which has to be a registered broker dealer. Um, so the SIE is the only one that you can take uh, without having that sponsorship. Um, so it's a really good way to just kind of get a sense for uh, the subject matter um, from the technical side of things for those FINRA exams. Um, and I think it's a pretty quick test. Uh, I think it's only a couple of hours and um, you can basically sign up to take it. You can do it remotely now, which is nice. Uh, a little bit of a change, but uh, the test itself I think is $60. Don't quote me on that, but uh, I think it's a pretty cheap registration fee. And um, for us, uh, it shows really well <laughs> on a resume if you already have started to pursue uh, the licensing requirements because um, it's one less thing that you have to learn while you're here and then two you know it shows that you have the capability and the aptitude to actually pass the exam um, as that's something that uh, you know is a requirement of the job terrific all right any questions from our students Maybe just uh, one more thing that I just want to add in terms of kind of, you know, the different offerings for a, a legal career. Um, so we obviously have the traditional general counsel in different areas. Uh, we have a lot of people that are in compliance um, that deal with all the different broker dealer regulations and restrictions. Uh, so there's kind of more of those, I would say, more so traditional kind of legal career paths. Um, on the management side, you also see a lot of different things that have legal underpinnings. So, you know, we have, uh, for my group right now, we have about 80 different uh, Fortune 1000 companies that we work with. And each of those companies is on uh, basically a three-year contract. And so, you know, we go through about 25 different renewals a year where we're looking at the contractual terms, what's our scope of service, uh, what's our service level agreements? Um, so I think there is a lot of uh, benefit to having a law degree and going through those contract renegotiations uh, and being able to position and advocate for you know changes that you want to make um, and then also to ultimately close the deal. So just want to throw that out there as well as another area that I think the, the law degree helps. Yeah, it seems very clear that having a law degree is a, a pretty distinct advantage in, in the work that you all do. Terrific. Yeah, I would just add to that. So in tax policy and research, there's about 20 of us. Um, everyone but one person has their law degree. So it is something that we really value um, and we feel that we're, we're using our skills all the time that we learned in law school. Fantastic. Well, thank you all again so much for coming and sharing this, this lunch hour with us. We really appreciate it. Um, I know that I learned a lot and I think our students did too. We are going to make this recording available to our student body. And um, if it's okay with all of you, uh, perhaps we can turn it into a podcast and put it on our social media. So. Look for that in the near future. Um, 
And with that, any other final thoughts? Right. Maybe just one uh, quick plug again for the ACO scholarship. Uh, if you haven't applied, it's not too late to uh, get the application from the financial aid office uh, and submit the application by Friday. We're gonna be doing interviews hopefully in the next couple of weeks. Um, and also a big thank you to Professor Kortz for helping to organize all this and being a really great partner. So, and uh, to everybody else, Mary and Meg, um, we definitely appreciate the opportunity. So, thank you. And I will second what Siggy says, um, do apply for the scholarship. And this is a representative sample of our alums who are at ACO. Um, we have many alums who are there and have really enjoyed and are really enjoying their careers there. Um, it is an interesting and rewarding alternate career path to practicing law. Um, and the reason I asked about backgrounds is, you know, I got a BA in business administration, but I don't have a CPA and I'm a tax professor. So that doesn't mean that you can't do finance or tax or planning because you aren't an accountant or have a particular background. Law is learning. So, you know, think about this as an alternative. And thank you guys for coming and sharing this time with us. Thank you. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Professor Cords. All right. Thank you, everyone. Have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.